0: Listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hi, this is Ted Johnson, and before we start today's podcast, I'd like to give a quick shout out to a couple of our supporters. George Schauer, who is the Pocono Outdoors Guy, has been a friend and advocate of the Fish on Ted podcast and our sister company, Marketing for Guides, for a couple years now. George broadcasts his own podcast live every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Facebook Live. He then posts his episode on his YouTube channel, of course called the Pocono Outdoors Guy. Along with being a podcast host, George is also a well-known outdoor writer and outdoor videographer. To find out more about George's services, go to his website at www.poconooutdoorsguy.com. I'd also like to recognize Shortbus Flashers, who is based in Oregon. J.T. Gillette started Shortbus Flashers just over 10 years ago, and it has become the premier manufacturer of salmon fishing flashers on the West Coast. If you like catching salmon, you need to visit www.shortbusflashers.com and take a look at all the flashers and the hundreds of shapes and color combinations that are available. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, today. Uh, If you're a couple years out, we are recording this about two days before Thanksgiving 2020. Now, if you look at your calendar and you scratch your head, and you go, wait a minute, wasn't that the time that uh, the uh, government and everybody was going, don't get together for Thanksgiving? Yep, that's the time. And so we, we wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and be careful and well out there and that sort of thing. What a strange time. But, you know, it's interesting that the fishing community and the interest in fishing through this COVID uh, thing has been phenomenal. There has just been multiple businesses and people in the industry that have had some of their best years ever in the midst of all this crisis. And I think what's happening is that people are sort of getting back to their roots. You know, they're they're parking their golf clubs and they're not going to the big sporting event and they're going, you know, what could we do to get out but social distance and protect our families and us from this crazy virus that's going around, and fishing has had a reinsurgence, and uh, that's really exciting, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying that that's gonna, that momentum's gonna carry us through this virus, um, as the vaccines are starting to roll out now, and we have a reinsurgence in the United States and worldwide on a tremendous sport that has a lot of really, really good people in it, and um, that uh, it will become a legacy for many once again. Well, today we have a great guest. I've been looking forward to uh, having this interview all week. Um, He's rather a celebrity in the Northeast. And after this interview, you'll understand why, because he plays a great big part in um, uh, in the fishing world in the Northeast United States. And so, without further ado, Tony, are you there? I'm here. Hey, Tony, how are you, man? I'm great. Yourself? How's everything? (laughs) It's going well. I'm going to brag on you for a second. You know, uh, Tony Madra owns a manufacturing company that manufactures all sorts of different types of gear and, in particular, lures um for the fishing for striper and other types of fish if uh, you say what are we going to use today on a boat going on off of uh, uh, new york or new jersey and they don't have any maja products in the boat i would be surprised so tony is the guy when it comes to uh putting big stripers in boats with all of his gear and that sort of thing so you know tony without uh, stealing a lot of your thunder Tell us a little bit about your company and how it got founded and that sort of thing.
1: I enjoyed you talking about that. You could listen to that all day long. You can keep going. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, it's, it's, you know, my father is, is the, the master. I mean, he, you know, I, I've just taken over the reins. Um, my father, every day, he surprises me. I mean, he's, he's, still, he's still around. He still helps me. I still go to him for everything. I, I double check. You know, there's certain things we don't agree on, and there's a couple things I'm right about. I mean, a couple out of thousands, I'm right about, but very rare. Um, I'm, I bring those up all the time at, at Thanksgiving dinner. I bring those those exact two times up that I was right. But um, I would too. <laughs> you know, he, yeah, the only two that was right. But uh, right, right. <laughs> he, you know, he started the company. He started the company probably 20. I'd say about 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Maybe 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, but he's been making um, a famous thing that we've, he's always made was bunker spoons. Um, Bunker spoons are, uh, they they imitate a bunker. Um, They imitate uh, a wounded bunker to say, because um, we've, we've learned over time that bunkers can be erratic and the fish tend to miss them. Striped bass tend to be a little lazy, especially the big ones. So we, you know, we, we, we tricked He didn't invent it. By any means he did not invent it it's been around hundreds of years huh guys have made it I mean they've made these spoons for a long time the heavy stainless steel spoons um but he made it he perfected it he reinvented and perfected it he really did and um I'm just going with the flow I'm trying to come out with new things every year to keep us uh relevant yeah um every year there's more and more uh competitors that come out and there's every year there's another 10 competitors that go out they they, they, they they, you know, they fall out of it. So, I mean, you know, we try to stay on top. It's not easy, but you know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent invested into it and that's what we do. We just keep going. Oh, that's cool, man.
0: Now for the listeners that are not familiar with uh, a, a bunker
1: spoon, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Okay. So, I mean, the original bunker spoons we've made, I wish I could show you it's, I mean, he used to make them out of stop signs, legitimate stop signs. Really? No kidding. Um, yeah like he, he would find uh cause it was very hard to find she- like he didn't have a lot of money when he was young, so you know they had a little boat him and his brother. Uh-huh. he would find either bounce stop signs or something that was always the right um thickness to to be able to bend because basically you bend the spoon it's, a, it's an oval-shaped spoon. Um, the new one, the ones we have now are a lot more uh how do I say, it? it's more more up-to-date, mm-hmm. more modern uh sp- um, but they used to bend it. They used to spray paint it. Somebody said green was working certain days, certain times of day, certain colors worked better than others. Right. Um, that's always the that's always the, the thing. Yeah. And you know they have phones and have cameras in those days. We had uh these guys were real fishermen. And these days, I'm not saying you don't have any good real fishermen, but I mean they use you know they use uh, navigation. I mean basically you press a button on your on your uh, chart and it takes you right there. Right. You don't have to go look at the spots. I mean, they had none of that. They just they by by sight. They they knew where they were. You know, they were they were good fishermen back then. I mean, they really were when my father was young. Oh yeah, a long time ago, it was, it was, they were good fishermen back then.
0: Wow, wow. So your uh, so your father loved the fish, and he was making his own spoons and 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 for other people. He would make. He
1: didn't sell them, so he would make them for other people. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he made he made them for years. Uh, an old guy taught him years ago, and, and and we came from Staten Island. That's where we were originally from, uh-huh. and there was just a selective few guys that knew how to do that in Staten Island, and they were very tight-lipped, very tight-lipped. I mean, not many people knew what Bunker Spoons were, Right. But trolling what Bunker Spoons were. It was a very tight community, and it wasn't done on a big scale. It wasn't sold on a big scale. They made them themselves, these guys. You didn't see them in stores. Tackle shops didn't have them. Um, but my father made it, made it, you know, he, he, he's like, you know what? We, we came out with two products before we made the bunker spoons. Uh, my father, we have a patent called the easy out Oh, okay.
0: um,
1: so it's patrolling. It basically, uh, it's, it's an outrider that, that points the rods, um, parallel to the water Yeah. to keep them, you know, to keep your spread wide, basically. Okay. Your rod is sticking out the side of the boat. And, um, instead of reaching out and pulling the rod out when you have a fish on, we have a little, uh. A little arm that snaps up so you bring the rod into the boat and you pull it out so we have the patent on that
0: oh really and that was
1: the first thing we made um and that's we still make it to this day and you know i have definitely made a lot of changes to it We've made it stronger they use them for tuna now they use them for everything so uh-huh. um but we you know people would say oh what do you need these for we would say "Trolling with bunker spoons people didn't even know what a bunker spoon was right right so i said dad we got to start making these things people don't even know what they're using them for Mm-hmm. You know, people buying them they don't even know what they're using them for so we started making bunker spoons in a, in a mass scale and we have the manufacturer that does it and you know they're really really thick stainless steel they will not bend you can't bend it uh-huh. um, i've ran it over my car tried to bend it with my truck it doesn't uh-huh. bend um uh, i got yelled at for doing that because i scratched it up <laughs> a little bit but <laughs> but listen that's product testing at its best right there so You gotta test these things, make sure the strength is there. But, you know, that's how how I paint the same. The Bunker Spoons are are the most popular thing on the the North, in the whole East Coast. I mean, the whole East Coast, it's striped bass. You think of Bunker Spoons, you think of Tony Maja. so.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've done some fishing in Alaska and in particular Southeast and uh, the the Kenai Peninsula. And I was looking at those Bunker Spoons online uh, yesterday, preparing for our interview. (laughs) And I was going, I wonder how these things would work if you jigged them at about 200 feet for a halibut up there. And yeah. I'll, I'll bet the halibut would hammer those things.
1: 100%. Those and even the, the mojos we make that too. Uh huh. And you know, the mojos, I, I'm sure they would love the mojos. Because, I mean, you know, halibut's a big fluke, basically, right? I mean, fluke, uh, a flounder, um, they, they, they love, I mean, fluke, we use the, the I mean, how big the
0: halibuts get? How big now? Oh gosh, I was on a boat, uh, Tony, uh, two years ago where we uh, brought in one at 284 pounds and that wasn't even close to being a record. Wow, that's that's a big fluke right there. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest fluke I've seen is 14 pounds, so that's yeah. a little bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, you wow. know, the, the, the the young lady that caught it, I was on the boat with her and, and uh, she caught it on a jig uh, she wow. weighed you know, a little uh, um, um, Asian lady, and she weighed less than 90 pounds, and she brought that darn Thanks. fish in all by herself. It was crazy, man. Stand,
1: standing up by herself, no no help. Nope, didn't want any help. She was tough, man. She was tough. <laughs> but I would have handed the rod off five minutes in. I would be like, all right, I'm done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times you do that when you catch something that size, you know, and, uh, and you're fighting yeah. it. But you know that's what those things up there hammer. You know is is kind of a wounded fish, and it sure seems like um,
1: your your your. Are they like? Do they use like a like a a jig and like a spoon? Do they use spoons like a flutter spoon almost?
0: They do Do use those. Uh huh. Yeah, they're starting to use those. My spoons will
1: do that. What's that? My spoons will do that. Like you drop it down, and they're heavy. Like even the smaller ones are heavy. Yeah. You know, our big ones are pound and pound and a half, pound and a quarter. Oh yeah, that'd be um, perfect. Yeah, I mean, and the and the smaller ones are are you know just less than a pound, maybe uh you know, I think fourteen at thirteen or fourteen ounces. Uh huh. So uh uh-huh. oh, They'll the, get yeah. down. I mean, they'll get definitely get down.
0: So. Yeah, oh that that'd be yeah uh, that'd be incredible up there. That would be incredible up there. But uh, no, you also manufacture. Um,
1: rods and other tackle also, don't you, Tony? Yes, yes. We uh I've broken into a lot of the 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 smaller jigging type of style stuff. Um mm-hmm. my father always made the trolling stuff but uh I see the writing on the wall with younger kids. They like light tackle. Yeah. They like uh jigging, like casting out little things and I mean I love it too, don't get me wrong, but I mean I want a fifty, sixty pound bass, striped bass around here. Um throwing out a bunker spoon, that's what I'm getting it on. I mean, 99% of the time, that's what, that's what the big ones are coming in on. Right. But that being said, we make um, we make two sets of rods right now. I'm going to make another. I'm making a third right now. I'm in the process of making a third. Um, we make a, a bunker spoon rod, which matches our bunker spoons because you need a soft tip oh. to, for the action of the spoon. You know, if you have a tight, if you have a, a, a heavy tip with right. no action on the tip, it's going to restrict the action of the spoon. So you want a nice soft tip on that spoon oh, spoon wow. rod. Okay, and okay. and the mojos. Now we we make mojos too. Um, mojos are heavy lead head. Um mm-hmm. They're basically like a parachute jig um, in a way. They they have long hairs that are reversed. Right. And basically, they come over the hook, and then there's a uh, nine inch shad, a nine inch uh, plastic soft shad on there, oh, which wow. is to imitate a herring or a bunker or you know to imitate a lot of things that are in the ocean basically.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Um, oh.
1: okay. yeah, and, and and we make a rod for that as well yeah so wow that's, that's less like, of a, that, that doesn't need the action, so it's a stronger rod Just, yeah. you know we make mojos up to forty uh forty two uh ounces holy smokes are you yeah, yeah. Oh, wow that's a that's a that's a fight in itself without a fish so <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, I'll bet so i I'll, I'll bet so yeah. well well Tony, how in the world did you get such a passion for the you know the sport of fishing of course I, I'm your father has had to have, you know, influence on you that way. But, I mean, when did, when did oh, you yeah. feel that, that thing in your gut that goes, wow, man, I found what I want to do in life?
1: I, I don't remember. I'm going to be honest with you. The first day I went fishing, I don't even remember the first day I went fishing. I remember every day I went fishing when I was young.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, my father could not leave the house. Unless I had school, there was no excuse. If he went fishing without me, it was a big problem. It was a big problem. And, and you know, I cried. My wife, my, my wife, I'm sorry, my mother would get mad. Yeah, you know, I fished with my father every day that we fished. Obviously, until I had kids, then things changed a little bit. But um, right. he could not go. He went. To, we went to Costa Rica. We went to. He used to take me to um, uh, Key West on fishing trips with him and his buddies. Oh, wow. I was with him everywhere. So he's, he's he's not only my father, he's my best friend. I mean, the guy has taught me everything, and I've. If I if, if you want to be a fisherman, you could try and try and try to have that that that. That sickness, it's a sickness, it really is it's a it's a mm-hmm. it's a passion and a sickness because you're right. there's nothing else you want to do. you know mm-hmm. you just want to go fishing, yeah, yeah, exactly, and you can't teach that. that's something you have to have inside of you, I think I, I mean, it's very hard. There's not many kids in these days that I have it. I try to enforce that parents take their kids fishing. You know that's going to mm-hmm. keep the the sport going. I mean, it keeps my business going, yes, but I mean, you know just in general. I think with this whole COVID thing, you saw a lot more kids fishing, which is phenomenal. Um, Younger kids were with parents, their families. I mean, you couldn't do anything else but you go on your boat and you go fishing with your family, Mm -hmm. and you know, you're teaching them a lot. You're teaching kids how you know how to respect the the the, you know nature, how to how to fish and feed themselves, which is a huge thing. That's true. You're teaching them everything, every little bit of uh of life, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. That yeah. The, you, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, there's so many people that I talk to, and I ask that question, and and they have really the same answer. Is I don't know when the passion came across, but it happened when I was really young, and it's a sickness. I mean, it's just you know this is what what I do in life, right? And uh, yep, yep. Uh, I uh, I got struck with that at a real young age, like you, and growing up on the McKenzie River, and that was our playground, man you know basketball was fun yep. football was fun but you know hey a, you know a, a five minute walk to the river and i was catching rainbow trout and steelhead holy smoke that was that was that was the best
1: of all worlds at that point you know right but, i mean listen you have a bad day fishing it's better than any other day yeah that's true it's better. i could I have i could catch no fish people like you sat there for eight hours you can catch anything how would you want to go again i said i want to catch fish i said it doesn't matter I and mean, everybody's had those days where you just can't you know it's everything just isn't going the right way. I mean, it just, it isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had a lot of days like that. I've had a lot more than I'd like to say, but I mean, we've definitely had a lot of great days. Oh yeah. Yeah. So your, your father,
0: he must've grown up kind of the same way you did. I mean, if he had, has that drive for building a business in, in such a competitive industry, he
1: must've had a real passion when he was a young man. Well, he he didn't have my. His father did not fish. His father wasn't a fisherman.
0: Oh, really? Him and his
1: brother, just as a young as young kids. I mean, I guess back then that's all you know. That's all they they had really. They didn't have a lot of money. My grandparents. Hmm. Um. They used to fish a lot off the beach. They saved. Up, they worked a lot. They always worked hard, and they you know, they saved for boat. And all they did is fish. I mean, they just did not stop. My father, his name didn't come from the business. I mean, his name came from fishing and. You know, fishing tournaments. Before we even came out with our bunker spoons and everything like that, people knew who Tony Maja was. Oh, really? They oh. knew because we won, you know, he won tournaments at the tournaments. He's, you know, he's been on front cover magazines. This is well before there was, you know, every writer wanted to go fishing with him. Yeah. It was, it's pretty cool. It really is. I mean, you know, and Adam, don't get me wrong. He tells me you got to give yourself some, some, some credit. I, I mean, I've done some good things, but nothing. I mean, I can never. Never do what he did. It's amazing how he did it. And he did everything with hard work. I mean, in these days, people could come, become famous in two seconds because of social media. Right, right. Exactly. Know, he didn't become famous in a day. He came famous in 20-something days. You know, 20-something years, excuse me. Right. You know, it, it was work. It was a lot of hard work.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of make yourself famous on social media.
1: and <laughs> uh, It's thic- sickening. It's it's, I, I, I like it because it's a necessity for business. I do it. I do it every day. I'm on it every day, but it's very frustrating sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like if I was a woman and a pretty looking woman, I would have a lot more people following me every day. <laughs> you because, would. I mean, you're, it is what it is. I'm be right. Like that, but it's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah, If yeah. I fished with a bikini on, and and I'm not talking about a man's bikini. I mean, if I was a woman, it, I would, it would be. I would have. A lot. But the thing is, it's not going to have the correct. People are like, oh, these people have all of these followers, and all of this is a woman, and you know, people just, but they're not. That's not going to sell products. I don't care about that stuff. Right, right. No, you know, the you're, real you're fishermen around. that are looking for stuff to, to fish with are not looking at that. They're looking for the man or, or or the woman. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely great fishing women. Oh, I know a lot of them that fish most men under the table. So. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, they they you know, there's two different types of women fishermen. There's women fishermen. Who want to be rich and famous, and there's rich women fishing who just love the sport. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. And I think that's the best thing. So,
0: so I'm 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 curious. You personally, would you rather fish for stripers
1: in the salt or freshwater? I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I I love the salt. I I did it with George, uh, the Poconos Outdoors. Yeah. Um, we went up to the one uh, I think it was Blitz, uh, Beltsville, I'm sorry, Beltsville, uh Lake or Reservoir, whatever it is. Uh-huh. And we, we caught fish. Listen, nobody on the whole entire lake, there was people trolling, whatever they troll on the freshwater, little jigs and stuff, Yeah. The downriggers. Nobody was catching fish. And we ended up getting, I think, three or four bass on, on my stuff, on all the stuff I make for saltwater. Really? And it proves the point. I mean, listen, freshwater and saltwater, especially if you're talking about the same fish. You know the striped bass are, are can be acclimated to freshwater or saltwater. They they spawn in and brackish to freshwater. Mm-hmm. You know they go up rivers and stuff. Um, you could catch these things anywhere. Yes, the bait does change, but they will still feed on very similar stuff. You know, striped bass will eat anything. That's what it comes down to. But they can wrap their mouth around. They will eat it. That's you know, They're a predator without teeth. That's exactly how you look at it. They will swallow anything whole. You no. Uh, if you want a quick story, we had a bass that was a striped bass in the ocean that was floating upside down. We went to revive it. We thought a fisherman, you know, released it without, you know, reviving it first. Yeah. And we couldn't revive it. It died. We kept it. It was a 47-pound bass. It was a pretty big striped bass. And we went to, we went back to the dock. We, you know, it was dead. We couldn't revive it. Um, we opened it up. It choked itself on two fluke and five bunker, So it choked to death. That's how this thing died. Wow, no kidding. It, was, it, had, it had all these fish stuffed in its throat, and it actually, choked, like a human would choke, we we take too big of a bite, you know? Right, right. And these things gorge themselves with fish. Anything that's in front of their face, they will eat, so. No
0: kidding, no kidding. And yeah, they, pretty, uh, that, that was pretty yeah. funny. That was a st- funny story, so. Yeah, and they put up one heck of a battle, don't they?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. I mean, my biggest to date is 50, 58 and a half pounds, Wow. And, you know, at best, I, I only have two fifty pounds in my life, but um, I my that as many. I don't even know how many. I mean, that's that's the, the, the mark is like, you know, people say, you know, the, the mark is a 50-pound. They call it the Tony Major 50-pound club. That's what we call it. Everybody that gets a 50-pound, they call it in to me. They send me pictures. It doesn't have to be weighed anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, we take people, you know, nobody's winning anything, so we take them by their – uh you know it's an article you you know you you tell me the truth you send me a picture it looks like a 50 pounder. you join the 50 pound club you get your name on the wall on my, my on my website mm-hmm. um and the list grows and grows every year that was the staple is if you could get a 50 pounder, you you've you've made it Really? You know, that's that's like what everybody shoots for let me get a 50 pound bass i need striped bass fishermen that's what they want you know a 50 pound bass yeah, no kidding. And 99% of people don't get it, do not right. get it their whole lives. Right, right.
0: And, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen pictures of those, those uh, you know, great big bass that you guys catch in, in your part of the world. Um, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Sean Pruitt on the Never Enough Charter in Chesapeake has yep. a, yep. a photo of a guy that's six foot six, and he's holding the striped bass that they caught a couple of years ago. This thing is a monster an absolute monster you know and uh coming from the west coast we've always had striped bass around but it hasn't been really a focus of that fishery because of you know the focus on salmon and some of the other things out our way but you know striped bass right. fishing in itself is really starting to pick up i i was working with the um uh, california department of uh, fish and wildlife a while back on on helping them with a program for counting stripers and trying to figure out you know uh you know the, the, how they were coming into the river systems and where people were catching them and that sort of thing and it's amazing to me how big of a fishery that actually is that is not really getting much attention still to this day you know
1: uh in in california i get a lot of people that 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 send me messages from california asking about striped bass and I'm hoping that's starting to change. I really am. They see everything on the East coast and they, you know, I don't think they are as big there. I mean, I don't know for sure. I've never fished there. Mm -hmm. Um, People say they get them, you know, 20 pounders, 25 pounders, which are big fish. Don't get me wrong, but they say they don't see them, but that doesn't mean they're not there. If there's striped bass there, they're going to grow that big. Oh yeah. And if they're not targeted, they're definitely going to grow that big. If they're not targeted as much like they are here, they're going to be big. There's going to be big fish. They may not be where the people are fishing, you know, I don't know what the, what, what are the regulations in, in California, as you know, to have to be within the three mile line? Because we, we can only go three miles out. It's not like every other fishery.
0: Most, most uh, of the fishermen that I personally know that do striver fishing, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll fish the brackish waters of the bays and then they'll right. uh, fish them in the Sacramento uh, drainage, the Sacramento river and that sort of thing is where most of the right. fishing goes on in California. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I don't. I have to do a lot more research. So that's my next thing. After I get the lakes locked in, all uh-huh. the lakes that have striped bass. I mean, there's so many lakes across the whole entire United States that have hybrids that have a uh, uh, landlocked striped bass. The introduced landlocked. That you know, it's it's pretty amazing. It really is. And and I think that's where you know, my father really wasn't looking into that. He wanted to. He, he was zeroing in around here. We're everywhere around here. where you know, north south. New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, uh, all the way up to, 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 you know, from basically Cape Cod all the way down to, to past Virginia, even South even the Carolinas. Right. Our stuff is in all the best pro shops, a lot of Dick Sporting Goods. I mean, we're, we have this area covered pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at it, I mean, the, the freshwater industry is m- monstrous compared to the saltwater industry. Yeah, with uh, with tackle. I mean, of course, this largemouth bass is always the the staple. Mm-hmm. I don't see why striped bass wouldn't be a staple either if they're in all these lakes. I mean, I'm gonna try to change that. I really am. No, you're you're right. You know, you and I were
0: talking just before uh, we started recording about Lake Texoma, uh, down yep. in, on the Texas and Oklahoma border, and you know that is an incredible fishery. Um, I don't know yeah. if you, you know it or not, but I think the number that I heard was they have 200 charters on that lake and they're all going after striped bass and they yep. pretty much all limit out every day they go out you know 12 months out of the year it's an incredible fishery,
1: absolutely incredible there are a couple charter boats that do use my stuff out there i know they they, they do very well out there on uh, and now the thing is with bunker spoons we have four sizes okay they're not all the same size we have the big ones and we have down we have number one which are the smallest and all the way up to number four which are the biggest okay um, the number ones are baby bunkers like peanut bunkers as we call them yeah when they're born we call them peanut bunkers it's usually like a, about i guess a few couple months into their their life they, they grow so quick they get from like a little fingernail to the size of your finger mm-hmm. and we have a small one, which is, you know, that's what they use on these lakes. The so number one and number two is the peanut and lollipop bunkers, we call them. Right, right. And then we have the middle one, which is a, a herring. It's a different fish, a different bait fish. I mean, people know what a herring, herring is. It's considered a herring with the skinnier bait fish, the skinnier spoon. A little bit different action. And then we have the number four, which is the ocean fit, the ocean bait. Nine out of ten people have them instead of the small ones, but I tend to, switch them around i mean uh, you never know what these things are feeding on you got to match what they're feeding on we call it match the hatch Uh uh-huh you know and people people tend to just stick with one size and you know this is what catches the big fish but every day is different on the ocean or on a lake you never know yeah
0: now are those smaller ones are they castable can you cast and retrieve
1: that um, uh, no, I am making, right now I'm in the process of making some new stuff, a castable spoon. Um, I make a jigging, a jigging casting mojo. That's a different mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. you can cast it. It's a little big and heavy. I mean, you could definitely jig it. You could drop it and jig it. I mean, I do that. I do that all the time. Uh-huh. If there's a, a, a piece we're on or there's a big, a big body of fish underneath us, I'll drop it down and it'll flood. It's almost like a flutter spoon. It'll do exactly the same thing a flutter spoon was. Yeah. Right. Know? right. And they would work for numerous types of fish as well. You know, that's another thing people don't realize. Yeah, There's so many different types of fish that we catch on every year.
0: So what, what's the most uh, prominent color of, of a bunker spoon?
1: I mean, you know, we have, we had um, let's see, we had five colors, I believe. We have chartreuse mm-hmm. and white. Those are the staples. No matter what, chartreuse and white should be a staple in anyone's box, yep. anyone's tackle box. No matter what, what Fish you're fishing for chartreuse and white always the colors.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: we have dark green, which is another good color. We have chrome, which is um, obviously it's got that shine. It's, you know, if, if you're looking for that reflection off of the sun, you know it shines. And if you're, you're talking about a silver bait fish, that's exactly what you're looking at. Right. Um, I came out with a couple new colors this year. Um, I came out with a bronze. It's electroplated spoon. It's not painted. It's um it's electrically dipped however they say it oh really okay. i don't personally know how it's how i it, watch them do it i don't know how it actually works but basically it's a positive and negative charge so it's, the paint has or whatever it is has metal in it so it just sticks to the to stainless steel Got it. and i have that in gold and i have that in bronze and those have been on fire they are working so good you know every now and then i gotta come up with something fresh and new and You know, it's got, and that I definitely made the right choice this year though with those. I definitely did. Wow. So they they're gonna be in your arsenal from here on, huh? Yeah, I I was doing it as a test. I, you know, unfortunately with my manufacturer, I can't just order, you know, fifty of one thing. It's got to be a lot to make it profitable. So I ordered a lot, and I was worried. You know, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe this will last me a few years. We were gone in a month. Everything was gone. Wow, no kidding. This was, this was an absolute amazing year. Amazing year.
0: Wow, that's killer. Now, your products are found in what? Brass, Bass Pro Shop? Uh, where else can people find these, Tony? I
1: mean, the, you know, the, every mom and pop store on the on the East Coast. I mean, Northeast and, and even as South as uh, Virginia. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I think North Carolina. I'm not really sure. The best pro shops down there have it. I know Virginia best pro shops. Um, take right. Sporting Goods. Okay. Um, uh tackle direct um if things are on ebay or amazon it's not me but a lot of tackle shops sell on there they have their own accounts i guess um i don't sell i have my own website but i don't i don't promote selling on it i don't i don't tell people to buy on it but i have to have a website because we sell stuff all over all over the country right right so and if we don't have a tackle shop there, there's nothing i can do so i gotta make sure these people don't miss out but um you know, Dick's, Dick's uh, Bass Pro Shop, Cabela's, exporting Goods. Um, pretty much, I think, every mom-and-pop store, like I said, on the East Coast has it. You know, this right. sound everywhere. Right. Well, I would imagine there is
0: going to be, like you were saying, an insurgent of uh, people fishing uh, freshwater and then on the West Coast that will be looking for products like this because it's not very well represented, you know, this, this fishery, and it's becoming more and more popular. Um, The other fishery that, uh, you know, that's big out west in freshwater lakes is, uh, you know, lake trout and Mackinac. And and those things get huge. (laughs) Um, there's um, There's a lake in Utah called the Flaming Gorge. And regularly, people are picking out Mackinac out of that lake at, you know, anywhere from 50 to 60 pounds. And I would imagine your uh, um, uh, your your product would work incredibly well catching Mackinac. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be doing well, well. Well, awesome. So here's a question for you. I, and, and we ask it to, to all our guests and think about it for a second. If you woke up tomorrow, day before Thanksgiving, and something hit you and you just knew that this was going to be your last fishing trip and that was it what would you fish for and who would you take fishing with you
1: that's a good question i mean i have to take my father no matter what yep i mean he's 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 a a staple i mean i i i I, that's a good question i mean i'd love to take my son with me Uh uh-huh he's not really the biggest fisherman in the world right now right um um, I don't want to force it on anybody, but uh, I do try to get them involved as much as I can in the business. Uh huh. Get them excited. Um, if I was to fish with somebody, if they're like even a famous person, I would like to fish with like Roland Martin. I would love to fish with that guy. Oh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't yeah. And uh, what was the other guy? Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Not Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy. Oh. I'll... I'll think of it in a second. What's Jimmy's last name? He was a funny guy. He was always funny, too. He was always, gosh golly, you know, he's a funny guy. Yeah, Jimmy Houston, wasn't it? Jimmy Houston, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't yep. know, Jimmy Johnson. That wasn't close. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, that. Uh, cool. So he, what, what would you He think? would be fun. He was the, he, didn't he always fall in the water and always break his rod and stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his question. He, he always had to laugh at that guy. He was like yeah. the Julia Child of Fish. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what what would you fish for? Um, I, I you know what as sad as i say it is, I'd probably fish with straight dance. <laughs> I'd I'd probably fish I mean, I could do it every day, I do it every day. I mean I I don't do it every day now, but I used to do it every day. It's uh-huh. it, like I said, it's a passion that I wanna get better and better. I wanna get bigger, I wanna get bigger fish, I wanna get better at it. Every day I learn something new. Anybody that says they know everything about everything, they they're lying to. That's no one does. I have customers, I have tackle shops that teach me something new every day. You know, they're like, Oh, maybe this will work. A lot of times they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. And when they're right, I definitely take it into account. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's you learn something new and I think that's the fun nature of the the business. You know, everybody always has, you know, you should make this, you should make that. If I made everything everybody said, I'd be broke. I'd never, never be able to, to even live. But, um, there's, I mean there's so many good people out there. the fishing industry is a very tight knit industry yeah I mean everybody knows each other I mean you know George, we know mutual people um they're all most of them are very good people and they're all out to help each other yeah, and right. i love I love the business i mean i'm I'm blessed to to be in this business i really am mm-hmm.
0: yeah, absolutely now you were saying that um you in in one of the interviews that um, that you enjoyed fishing
1: for uh, tuna. Have you ever caught oh, yeah. any of the big bluefin? Oh, yeah. And we, actually, the funny thing is, they catch them on my bunker spoons a they lot do. of times. Really? No kidding. I mean, I, I have never caught one on a bunker spoon, but every year there's a few that I caught. Um, yeah. There's also, like they, they, this year was an epic year for striped bass and tuna. Uh-huh. I mean, the, the striped bass was great, but the tuna fishing, and the tuna fishing was so close to, to the coast. I mean, usually you're going eighty miles off offshore to get these fish, right? You were getting bluefin, um monster bluefin. I'm talking seven, eight hundred pounders a mile off of you know the the beaches. No kidding, really. I mean, absolutely amazing. And then you know there was sharks everywhere. Whatever brings in those tuna. Brings in every other every other fish. And to follow the tuna, there's always sharks. I mean, there's always sharks in the area. So, yeah, yeah. You know, we had, last year I saw a great white that was, you know, about 18 feet long right next to my boat. I mean, we see some pretty crazy things. They caught a great white on my spoon, too. They caught one great white. Really? No a, kidding. A, pup, a small one. A very, very small one. This was about five years ago. Yeah. Um, if I had a, a, a I mean, they've caught so many different fishes on, fish on these bunker spoons. It's absolutely amazing. It really is. Oh, that's incredible. Sturgeons. We get sturgeons up in, in, the, in the Raritan Bay. We get sturgeons on them here and there. You do? Uh, Black drum. Yeah, we get everything on them.
0: Oh, I'll be darned.
1: Now, you, um, you were talking the about. The main thing besides striped bass. The main thing besides striped bass are thresher sharks, especially recently. Yeah? Um, big thresher sharks with those big whip tails. Uh-huh. They, you know, we've got, we used to get a couple a year. We get, this year we had, I think, that I know of, we had people report at least 20-something of them caught on our bunker spoons. Holy Last Lord. year, in 2 weeks' span, there was over 40 of them caught on our bunker spoons. Really? And and up to 400 pounds. I mean, it's pretty freaking crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. You're talking a monster, monster shark, with, with and they don't eat it with their mouth. They hit it with their tail. That's how they kill their prey. And they whack it with their tail, and they get hooked in the tail, and that's it. Holy smoke. You're fighting the thing from behind. I mean, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah,
0: it's like fighting an
1: 800-pound fish. I mean, holy smokes. Oh, yeah. And and they do it on my rods, too, a light-tip rod. And I I can send you videos that I I sit there cringing, waiting for the thing to snap. Oh, yeah. It makes me nervous. But, I mean, it's not meant to bring in a 400-pound pressure shock from from backwards, no less backwards. But but they, they handle it, man. Right. They really do.
0: Wow, no kidding. That's incredible. That is incredible. Huh. It's yeah. been an
1: influx of those in these areas. Big big influxes of uh of thresher shocks really, yeah. really, really
0: big pressure shocks. So. That looks like so much fun, man. That the uh, it sounds
1: incredible. So I'm I'm just curious. You, personally, you, you, personally, I, I would I would hand off the rod if I was one of those things. So I would I'm good. I'll I'll let somebody else reel it I'll watch.
0: There gets to be a point in one's life when uh, those big yeah. fish
1: aren't as much fun as they used to be. <laughs> no, nah, these guys, they, they, I'm talking backing down and chasing the fish for three, four hours. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll watch. I'll, I'll, I'll be a, I'll a, be, a, you know, I'll be a a, a spectator to watch it. Yep. Good. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'll run the
0: camera on this one. Uh, now, when you were in Costa Rica, exactly. were, were you catching? Were you catching uh, fish down there on the on,
1: on the bunker spoons? No, we, we didn't bring the bunker spoons down there. No, yeah. So no, yeah. that was when I was young. So we you know we, we didn't make them to you know we didn't make them to sell. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. that's my my passion and my, my dream is to travel the world and uh-huh. see where it works, which I think it would work everywhere. Um, oh, yeah. People use it in Florida, for Wahoo, um, Kingfish. Uh, they caught. I mean, they catch everything on it. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm still waiting. I want to catch a tarpon down in in Florida, Arnold, but Gosh, that's my dream. You you could,
0: I would imagine you could jig them for tarpon down there, like uh, Pine yep. Island down around uh, Punta yep. Gorda and, and that sort of thing. Yep. That'd, be, that'd be
1: fun. I have a couple of friends that moved down there, and and they're going to try it this year. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get some footage. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to go visit tackle shops and some some charter boats. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of stuff that would be, that would be perfect in, in Florida and in anywhere, anywhere in the world, to be honest. Anywhere. Oh, yeah. That would be a fun road trip, wouldn't it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. For, that, I don't know if my wife will let me, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> a business trip to all of these these beautiful places, she's be like, well, either I'm coming or you're not going one way or the other. That's so. right. What, what would you like to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. If, I, if I had to take somebody, it's probably going to be my wife regardless. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would, well, that would be a given so with without without the shows coming up i mean in in uh uh 2021 i would imagine that's going to free up kind of your your winter time uh what what shows can people typically find you at in a normal year tony
1: um i'm at uh there's a bunch of shows mostly on the east coast i mean i do the philadelphia show yeah uh in pennsylvania that's one of the one of the biggest shows I do. Um, the Rissa Show, which is up in uh, Rhode Island, that's mm-hmm. a big big show. That's probably one of the biggest shows. And then there's the Edison Show, right? Um, which is in New Jersey, and that's probably another big show. I mean, there's so many. I mean, the Northeast is so packed with saltwater fishermen; it's crazy. Oh yeah. You know that place? They canceled it last year, and I was upset when they canceled it. It was right at the beginning of this. Yeah. I guess it was February. February, and. I was so upset. And then a month later, I was like, thank God they didn't have it. Because so many people are in that place. That would have been a disaster. Oh, absolutely. They were smart for canceling. And at first, I was upset because I'm thinking business. And I didn't know anything about what was going on at the time. But, right. But, you know, that's, I mean, you're talking, you know, 50,000 people just walking through that place in, in an hour. It's just, it's not, it wouldn't be good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow! Yeah, the, you, you're so right. Do, yeah, I do. I do about nine shows. Nine shows uh, in the off season. About eight to nine shows. I do probably. I'm probably gonna be doing a lot more of the um, online seminars. I do fishing seminars all over for for fishing clubs all over the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, for the clubs for some some tackle shops, some some big tackle shops, and smaller ones. Uh-huh. Um, I'll be doing another. I did a couple on the water uh, fishing seminars, live oh. seminars on Facebook. Oh, cool. Okay, which worked out pretty well. We did one in the spring, and it, it, it I think that was one of the things that that boosted up people. You know what? I'm going to go out fishing right when this whole thing started with COVID. You know, they gave me a 42 foot Scout boat that's like a 1.1 $1. $1 million dollars to do a video on and a camera crew, and oh, boom, that was it. We caught fish all day long. So, oh wow, that sounds like fun. You know, that, that's that's what more you want people to be out there fishing in in the fresh air. You can't be locked up in your house all day. You can't. That's true
0: so uh, are those videos on on youtube can they find those there
1: um i do a lot of a lot of videos on youtube i do videos with um i did a couple george has a bunch of, from his shows um i mm-hmm. do a lot of videos with uh kid coaches outdoors it's a good friend of mine he he has a big youtube channel it's a big fishing youtube channel um we've done so many and he's he's, he's actually a pretty funny guy he, he He's a good fisherman and a good uh, a good editor, but he's also a funny guy. So he puts a little twist into it that people people enjoy. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, we do a lot of I do a lot of a lot of videos, and you know that's that's the future. The future is is podcasts. Nobody watches TV anymore. You're not famous from being a, a TV actor anymore. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. YouTube and social media makes you famous in these days. So that's the, you know, I'm not looking to be famous. I just I'm just looking to be a businessman, but
0: Unfortunately, it comes with territory. Well, obviously, your your father set the, the course for your uh, for your venture in life, and uh, I would imagine that uh, his legacy and his accomplishments will uh, you know follow uh, follow you through as long as you want to run this company.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it on the path he put it on. You know, and yeah. just keep the, keep the boat steer the right way. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Every now and then, you need a fresh set of eyes and ears. So, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you do.
0: Now, you—I'm uh, you, you manufacture everything or assemble everything
1: in the United States? Is that right? I—we—we we, we manufacture everything, not everything in the United States. I mean, listen, everything could be assembled here, yes. Right. But I mean, in world, in the world of reality, nothing is manufactured here to hundred percent. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. That's all. The hooks come from overseas. Mm-hmm. It's impossible so yep yep it, i think exactly. the only car that's made in the united states physically is, is tesla right i mean it, everything else could be made here but it's assembled here it's not actually made here, you know yeah 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 the
0: the term made in the united states doesn't mean quite that like what it used to
1: does it with everything uh... it doesn't carry the weight it used to exactly it's not yeah. it's not the same uh, thing but hopefully we do change that eventually you know we need to be more self-sufficient in this country but uh I agree. Yeah, I mean, all the hooks and stuff we get are from overseas. I mean, you know, Mustad, all the big name hooks are all from overseas. Uh, but I mean, listen, it is what it is. We 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 go with the flow. I can't physically make these bunker spoons myself. First of all, we sell too many. Second of all, they're not bent anymore. They're 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 molded. They they're put in a mold and melted. Oh yeah, because they're they're too thick to actually stamp or to um to bend. So oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we make them, we make them the best quality you can. You can't, you can't get better quality. You try not to lose it. I mean, people lose them all the time, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a great business. It's a great industry, great business. So terrific.
0: Tony, I want to thank you, man, for uh, sharing your time with us, especially in the, uh, uh, you know, with the crazy events that are going on in the holiday, we, um, uh, we're just blessed to have you on the show. It's been a tremendous um, honor of mine to get to know you and uh, am looking forward to continuing this relationship as time goes on.
1: 100% thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. I really do.
0: Okay. Well, you, good to
1: talk more.
0: you and your family stay safe and well, man. Tight lines. You as well. Tight lines and happy, happy uh, Thanksgiving.